TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Talk New York sports with us. 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com. I've never been, but that's, I don't know if that's really where I want to go. I have no interest in going to Beverly Hills. Unless I'm going to, you know, if I hit oil, then I have to move there, right? That's kind of the way it works. 877-337-6666. McMonagle here with you for another two hours. We have three hours down, two more to go on our five-hour midnight ride. We'll see if that sticks. Did you guys see this uh, documentary? Uh, I don't even. No, I shouldn't say it's a documentary. It's a new the the quarterback show on Netflix that um, Peyton Manning's doing, where he's following three different quarterbacks from last year, and and I thought it was a good mix of quarterbacks too. Um, he's got obviously. Um, I'm trying to look it up now. He's got Kirk Cousins, who's like. Um, a mid, you know, a, a well-paid, <laughs> kind of average quarterback, slightly above average. Had a, you know, has had himself a very good career. Has good numbers. Throws touchdown passes. Wins games. Can't win the big one, including losing to the Giants at the end of last year. Uh, a very religious guy. I know that person uh, for him personally. So it, it follows his family. It takes them in uh, to their personal life. So it's got him who's like the middle of the road. Then they've got Patrick Mahomes, who's obviously the superstar, plays the position as well as you could possibly play it. Best player in the league, MVP, uh, you know, just top of the top of the sport. And then Marcus Mariota, who is the quarterback for the Falcons. Obviously, his season did not go the way he had hoped. He didn't stay the quarterback the entire year. So I saw that, um, you know, preview for that show. It looks interesting. And, you know, Peyton Manning comes on. He talks about how difficult it is to be a quarterback. And it is. He's, he calls it the hardest position in the sport. And it certainly is. Uh, in sports general, I think I think you could – it's hard to make the argument against the idea that playing quarterback in the NFL is, a, is about as hard a position that there is in sports. Now, I would tell you hitting a baseball is harder than playing football and then throwing an accurate pass per se, but – the idea of how much you have to know, the responsibilities you have within the offense, uh, just everything about being a quarterback is is so difficult. You have to know what everybody's doing. It's it's so it's so difficult that I, I don't know if there's another position in sport where talent alone won't take you to a certain level. Like I honestly believe talent alone can take you to at least a very certain a certain level in all other sports. Like, if you're a, a talented enough basketball player, you can become a great basketball player. If you're a talented enough baseball player, hand-eye coordination, or you can throw 99 miles an hour, like, you can you'd be very good. But in, if you don't have a feel for defense that's trying to attack you, or like you could have all the skill sets in the world, if you if you don't understand how to play the position, I don't think you can reach the levels other t- other guys can reach as far as talent. So I'm interested in watching the show. I'm interested to see exactly what it is. I like the dynamic of kind of getting three different guys at three different places in their career, uh, all of them veteran uh, 
you know, for the most part, no real rookies or anything, but still like the guy struggling to hang on, um, the guy who's in the middle of his career of a very solid career, but hasn't won the big one. And then the superstar. So I, I actually thought that was good. And, you know, it makes me think of the hard knocks thing because I know, I don't know if there are really any jet fans who don't want their team to be a hard part of hard knocks. I understand why the jets don't want to be part of hard knocks. I understand why any team wouldn't necessarily want to do hard knocks, but other than Rex Ryan, obviously he wants to be a part of it, which was a blast. It was a, it was a great season of hard knocks, but let's go get some snacks. But the interest in quarterbacks and the fascination in quarterbacks is part of the reason, obviously, the reason why the Jets are having it right now. They got Aaron Rodgers. He's as unique a person and as talented a quarterback, this side of Patrick Mahomes, maybe that there is in the league. And if I'm a Jet fan, I don't know why any Jet fan would not want to be able to watch their team on that level and get to know the guys because, you know, like that, I've talked about this a lot with baseball. I feel much more connected. I'm a Giants fan. I'm a big Giants fan. I live and die with how the Giants play on Sundays. I mean, I, I love the Giants. They're they're my they they occupy a day of the week every you know that's that I don't care what's going on. I'm watching the Giant game. I love the Giants, but I don't know if it's possible if you're a diehard fan of both sports. I don't know if it's possible to feel as connected to your football team as you do your baseball team. They play every day. You watch every post game. You know exactly who they are. They're not in, you know, they're not in helmets. You you see their their faces every single play. Like it's and it's every day you're hearing post game from the manager, from the players. Like every single day, they're with you every day. You're in, they're with you in the backyard on the radio, in the car when you run in errands. Like it's just it's a different thing. You're immersed in a baseball season. Football, it's a different thing. Like if the if the Giants are on at one. I watch the Giant game, I'm focused on it, and maybe I'll even watch the coach press conference, but then I'm on to the 4 o'clock games, and it's once a week, and the coach speaks on Tuesdays, and you know maybe you hear from the quarterback on Thursdays, but it's like you're, you're totally disconnected from the team during the week, and everyone's got their fantasy teams, and then you know, you're watching the other games, and you're focused on a million other things. It's football Sunday. It's not just Giant Sunday. It's football Sunday. I watch all the games. You, you, you get the whole, you get the food together. You get your drinking together. You figure out where you're going to be. It's a ritual. You know exactly what you're going to be doing at 1 o'clock on Sunday. You know where you're going to be sitting. You know who you're going to be with. You know what you're going to be eating. You know everything about it. It's an experience. It's an immersed experience in football. And for a part of that, your team, but not the whole day. So for me, I relish the opportunity to feel as connected as possible to the team I love and to the players I root for and to know about them and to hear about them and watch them and how they interact. Well, like if you're a Jet fan who is going to tell it thinks it, it brings added pressure or it makes things more complicated or if it, if it goes bad, it's ugly. I, I don't know what you could possibly, the reasons you could possibly have for, you know, not wanting it. If you're a Jet fan, I don't know how you don't want hard knocks. Fleegelman, you're a Jet fan, correct? Are you interested in, are you excited the, the prospect of watching hard knocks with the Jets? I'm not, but just for a different reason, because okay, the Jets have I'm already interested. been on it, and okay. it was probably the best season of hard knocks, yeah. there's just no way. I mean, hard knocks has been, oh, I got with all these teams, it's been boring because I just agree. coaches, play. everybody's trained to not say anything. It just has not been interesting in years. But you know, it's but, so, but it's not worth it's not worth seeing if this could buck the trend. Like you don't want you. You understand Maybe. what I'm saying I'll about say feeling? This. I don't think it can hurt it the way that people right. talk about all. You know, the, all, like you said, the pressure. All the. I think that's all nonsense. Yeah. I don't think it can affect any team negatively unless right. there's something really but wrong with. As them. a fan, do you do you like the idea of getting to know these guys a little bit more on a deep level? I do, level but and... the jet. You're familiar with one jet drive. Yeah, the uh, See, the yeah. Jets already do it and producing it house, so I've been watching that for years. Mm-hmm. So, like as a Jets fan, because I watch that, I feel like I've already gotten that. Okay, I hear you. I just like I I, I love the idea, I, and I think especially now with with Aaron Rodgers, I think it's going to be fascinating. Yeah, obviously. I don't dislike it. It's just yeah. that again, I know whether or not they're on Hard Knocks, and we all expect them to be on Hard Knocks. Yeah, I know I'll still get those YouTube episodes every couple of weeks. So I'll get the same exact thing okay. that I would get from Hard Knocks. All right. I hear you, but uh, yeah, I get you. 
And I and I do agree with you for the most part. I I struggle. I end up getting excited for the first two episodes, and then I never finish the season. Right by episode that, three, you're I'm, like, there's, there's five yeah, of these. I, I don't care. Yeah. And now it's tough because there's only three preseason games. So now, yeah. like, they got to maybe cut it down to four episodes. Yeah. It's just. And I didn't even pay attention at all to the. I know it wasn't hard knocks, but I didn't pay attention at all to the to the Colts midseason one. Yeah, the, I, the I, Colts have done one. I think was Arizona. The Cardinals did, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I haven't watched the second. There's of those. just too much going on during yeah. the football oh, season. Absolutely. To, Absolutely. to watch those, but I yeah I mean I I I understand that and I guess you do have other opportunities to feel connected to your team, but I just for me I I feel so much more connected to the baseball team, so I would relish the opportunity to like really feel like I get a sense of how the coach operates when I'm not paying attention or well you know because you really it's such a you're right if the Jets didn't already do it and yeah. I hadn't already seen that behind the scenes stuff of this yeah. GM and this coach. And pretty much everyone on this team except for Aaron Rodgers, yeah. I'd be much more interested. Okay, I got you. Like if it was the Giants, I'd be all in because right. we don't – I mean, the Giants are a team would, that we I have no it. access to yeah, I would in love New York it. for yeah, years. I, I would love it as a, Giant, as, as a Giant fan. I'd love to see Dable behind the scenes. I'd love to see – especially now you got the Barkley situation. Is he going to come into camp ha- happy? Like I, I, I understand that that adds drama, maybe unnecessary drama, but it also – I'm voyeuristic with – Things I, you know, I would love to be able to feel like I'm in that room. Like I watch, I'm a big Beatle guy. I talk about it. And I understand that many people might have found it boring, but that latest documentary, the Get Back documentary, to be a fly on the wall during, you know, Beatle recording sessions is like, I don't care if it's just them arguing about how much, you know, milk is in their coffee. Like I'm, I'm watching them make the songs I love. I'm watching them put together game plans. I'm watching them create a team from training camp and the start of the season. Like, I love that idea. I, I, I would relish the idea of the Giants doing it, but they'll never do it if they're allowed to say no. That's for sure. So, but they, as long as they make the playoffs, so they can't say, they can say no. So let's hope they can't, hope, let's hope we don't have another uh, Giants hard knocks ever again. Although we never did, right? We never had a Giants hard knocks. But yeah, I agree with you. I watch the first two and then I move on quickly but this year i'll be locked in steve in scotch plains new jersey what's up steve hey big mac i um big fan of you i like listening to you guys uh to you on the weekend thank the you boss couldn't, the boss couldn't have made a better uh choice to take over for sal <clears throat> you had well, that i appreciate good, uh, that i hope i can uh, i hope i can fill the yeah. shoes although sal you once tried to point? fill to be fair sal once tried to fill my shoes uh oh, in the uh, <laughs> at the borgata <laughs> in in um in um atlantic city i we told that story me and sal did a a brief show together um the day uh craig announced that he was leaving the station we did a brief show together i think that came up but we were in sal and i go back a long time and me and i've been at the station a long time obviously so sal and we went to as a group me him lucis uh monzo uh, a bunch of us we went to atlantic city and uh-huh. Sal was wearing a pair of sneakers, nice, expensive. I, I don't know if they were Jordan or whatever, but they were nice. The whole outfit was well put together. But we tried to get into this club, and the 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 bouncer at the door would not let Sal in because he had sneakers on. And he said, sorry, you need shoes or boots or something like that. And Sal was mad, and Sal was screaming. So I, I was just like, I'm, I'm like, you're not going to get in, Sal. I, 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 ha- I happen to have brought an extra pair of shoes. Uh, like, you want to come upstairs and just put on one of my shoes? And and he's screaming and I'm dragging him up to the room. I'm like, come, just stop! You're not you're gonna get thrown out, and then it doesn't matter what the hell's on your feet. You're not gonna be able to get in. So I drag him up to the room. I give him my boots. I don't know what sa- size Sal wears, but I'm a size 14, and he was oh, f- he was flopping around in my shoes. <laughs> it was very funny. So he yeah. couldn't fill my shoes, and I hope to fill his. So well, you have a good he does a great job. You have a good voice to snooze by. Well, that that's was, uh, uh, that's a that what they call a backhanded compliment, and I'm going to pretend you didn't say it, yeah. but we can move on, Steve. Right. Well, well, Sal would make you jump out of your skin when he's still yelling at some moron. But anyway, the reason I'm calling is I have a quick fix for uh, how to fix Rizzo. Oh, you got a quick fix. Let me hear it. Yeah. How do we? Who who are the Yankees playing next? Colorado. All right. So we trade Severino to Colorado for five <laughs> pizza pies. <laughs> 
right? Yeah, five that'll fix the lineup. With, oh, Severino in Colorado. That sounds yeah, wonderful. Five pizza pies with anchovies so that Severino leaves us with a bad taste in my mouth. Yeah, no, no, thank you. I, I'm, I've never been an anchovy guy, even in uh, Caesar. If there's like chunks of anchovy or anchovies laying on top, not a fan. Although, do you remember the movie? I think it was called Pizza Boy or Delivery Boy or something like that, where it was. Um, the actor from uh, Grey's Anatomy, uh, Mr. McDreamy or whatever his name was, Patrick Dempsey, Patrick something or other, I don't know. But he played like a, a kid who was the delivery boy, and if the order came in for extra anchovies, that was the code word for him to be like a gigolo. He would like deliver pizzas and then, you know, deliver other things to, you know, Desperate Housewives, for lack of a better term. But yeah, that was a movie that was called Delivery Boy or something like that, where he was like a uh, a pizza delivery slash gigolo. And if the order came in for extra anchovies, that was the code to send Patrick Dempsey. I think that's his name. I'm not positive. But these are the movies I watch every once in a while. Pizza, I think, I got to look it up. It was like Delivery Boy or something. I'll have it with extra anchovies. And they knew exactly what that meant. You know what's coming. You get extra anchovies. Stuart in Brooklyn, my friend. What's up, Stu Pot? What's up, C Mag? What's up? What forty one home runs in one round? No wonder why he couldn't get out. Yeah, he couldn't get the title, huh? Yeah, um, I mean, well, listen, Alonzo had no chance. It's it, I, I messed with him and everything yesterday about how much he loves doing this, and I think overall it's a good thing. I just have fun. Yeah. With, I just have fun with Met fans and Pete Alonzo because I do think there are times where he just comes off a bit. Uh, you know, corny for lack of a better term, and yeah, I, th- I think it's corny. a bit much the way he treats the home run derby. I love that he likes to do it. I think the best players and the best home run hitters should do it. So I have a little fun with him, but he had no chance in this one. No. I mean, that that round was crazy. But it's also I just I don't know who I don't need them to hit forty. I want to watch it and actually be able to see. Yeah, the home you want to watch it. You want to watch it to be interesting with the guys progressing through each round, right? Yeah. And the thing is, the one guy I don't want participating in the home run derby is 99. He should stay home and just... Aaron, uh, well, right, yeah, he did. He decided to stay home and not go to... And actually, you know what, I want to say that, too, that leads me into something um, about Judge and how, it. you know, Brian Hoke said this to me when he was on the podcast with Mm -hmm. with me and Keith, and he mentioned that he thought it was a good sign that Judge didn't go to uh, Seattle and didn't, you know, just go, you know, wave right. his, tip his cap and go through all the pomp and circumstance of the All Star game right. because it's a signal that he thinks he's close and that he's really working on getting back. If like this was an injury where he was just like, it's not going anywhere, he would have gone. I, gone. If there was no work to do and no real rehab and no real feeling of, you know, I need to get back soon. He would have just said, I'm going to the All-Star game and enjoying myself in Seattle. Instead, he stayed back to well, work on things. So hopefully that is a good sign. What are you hearing as far as him being back? I just, I, I just told you what I heard. I heard that this is a good sign. That, he didn't, that is right. my guess. But no, I don't know. I have no idea. My guess is the first week of August, they have a series uh-huh. against the Astros. It's like August 4th. Uh-huh. Friday, August 4th. They start a series I, I, against I, the I Astros. My on August 7th. Well... Hopefully he's back for your birthday. That would be my optimistic guess. My hopeful but realistic guess is that he's out the rest of June. And then the Astros series, it's it's actually a four-game set on Thursday the 3rd. So that's – and I actually think it's it's actually bobblehead day or something. I think it's Aaron Judge bobblehead day or something. Or no, no, no. It's Aaron Judge Yankee basketball jersey day. So I'm hoping – that that's a realistic timeline. Sometime that week they played Tampa Bay. That, that's a big week for them. Uh, July 31st, uh, on Monday, July 31st, they start a three-game set at home at Yankee Stadium against Tampa Bay, and then they follow that into a four-game set against Houston. So that's a big seven days. That's a big week. If he could be a part of either of those two series, I'll be thrilled. But quite honestly, I, I'm I'm hopeful, I'm optimistic that that could be it. But it definitely could be later than that. I'm hoping any time in August. I'm hoping it would be sooner rather than later. And Nestor's well, I mean, we all are, yes. Nestor's back in the first week of August, which is good. But who, who knows what's going to be before then? And um, what, what do you think they're going to do with the trade deadline as far as the left fielder goes? <sighs> acquire, acquire one. 
That's what I think they're going to do. Well, I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, Bellinger's an option. I don't right. know what the options are going to be. First, got to tell me who's selling. I'm also reading the Cubs might be looking to add. I have no idea. I have no idea. Because it's a matter of who's selling. And right now with the extra added playoff team, it's hard to judge. No pun intended. It's hard to judge who's going to be on the market to trade, what team's going to be available, who's going to be available, what cast-off is going to be available. It's tough to tell. And that's why I thought it was a poor strategy from Brian Cashman to go into the city, into the city, into the season without having a left fielder. And that's what he did. He talked about getting one and he didn't get one. And he allowed the season to start with Hicks and Cabrera as the, the you know de facto platoon left field. It was a bad idea. I think he thought he could attack it at the trade deadline. And there were some big names. You know, there was... Brian Reynolds, who they were attached to, but the asking price was enormous. They didn't want to give it up. Now he signed a contract with Pittsburgh. I doubt he'll be moved. Uh, Ian Happ of the Cubs was another name. He signed a contract at the start of the year. Now you're looking at Bellinger of the Cubs. You're looking at you know different guys. I, I don't know. I don't know who's going to be available. We're not close enough yet to really make a good stance on that. But their team, you know, I mean, you look at the standings. Let's just take a gander at the standings, and you tell me who you know for a fact is out of it. The White Sox, maybe? they have. I don't think they would trade, like, Eloy Jimenez. They're certainly not going to trade Robert, who was just in the home run derby. Uh, I don't know what other outfielders they have or what other guys available they would have. I mean, Kansas City's out of it. Detroit's out of it. Uh, Are there outfielders on those teams? Not any prominent names that I can think of, necessarily. Um, Nobody on Oakland I would necessarily think to go get. It depends on what the Angels do. If the Angels decide to, you know, make moves and 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 God forbid or willingly trade, excuse me, God willingly uh, trade Otani, which I doubt very much, but maybe they'd be willing to do that. Uh, if they could do that, then maybe there's guys there. But I, I don't know. It's tough to really look around baseball and come up with teams you know. St. Louis has kind of got a, an abundance of outfielders that we've talked about. There's a couple names there that maybe could get moved. They're having a miserable season. At 38 and 52, is San Diego in the market to to move a Juan, a, a Juan Soto right now? Is that, could you go pie in the sky dreaming of the Otanis and Juan Sotos and those kind of names? I mean, you're giving up big time prospects for that. You're giving up Parazzi, giving up Dominguez. I mean, Otani, you got to give up Volpe. And I'm fascinated by what the Angels would do here. Because if there's even the slightest chance, if they get the slightest feel that he'd be willing to stay, I don't know how you trade him. I don't know how you trade a guy who does this. I don't know how you trade the best home run hitter and a top five pitcher. I mean, right, well, you know, second best home run hitter when Judge is in there. But, I mean, he is he's a top two slugger and a top five starting pitcher. How do you move on from that? What could you possibly get back? I understand if they if they know he's not staying and they feel the season's over with 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 um trout being injured. If they know in their heart of hearts, if they've talked to him, if they if if he's literally saying, I'm not staying, then you have to move him. But if he's open to the idea of staying, how do you not attempt to do that? He's a modern marvel. He's he's one of one. You have to do everything you can to keep that player. I, I just don't think there's any way around it. I saw Alex Rodriguez gave some sort of. Uh, I saw. I just saw the story from TMZ or someone was or sports. You know, uh, New York Post sports, whatever, tweeted out Alex Rodriguez's plan to fix the Angels, and it was to trade both Otani and Trout. I don't know who's going to take Trout right now. They'd have to eat a lot of the money. He's injured at the moment. He's got the same injury that Benton, uh, Benintendi had at the end of last year for the Yankees. So, I mean, it's a month at the very least. So I don't know who would take on that contract. He's still a great player. But, I mean, how many years now has he been unable to finish the season? He gets hurt all the time. He's not quite as good a player as he was in his prime. Still, you know, top five player in baseball. But he's not the clear-cut number one player in baseball. He's hurt all the time. He makes a ton of money. How do you move that contract? I mean, if they want to trade Trout and Otani to the Yankees, uh, I'd consider it. Uh, I mean, I don't know what we could possibly, what the Yankees could possibly give them. But so the answer is, I don't know. What, what kind of move are they going to make? I don't know. They're going to acquire a left fielder. If they don't, it's negligence. If they don't, 
then they, they gave up on the team. So they're trading for a left fielder. They're probably trading for a third baseman. I told you, Brian Hoke told me that they're prob- that right now the whispers are in, they're in the market for starting pitching. That's where they are. And the Mets should be in the market for pitching, no doubt about it. That's what the Mets should be doing. The Mets could use a bat, absolutely. The Mets need need a bat. Um, you know, plenty we've we've documented Marte and, and Vogelback and all the different disappointments. Their offense isn't in the same shambles that the Yankees' offense is in. They still have Lindor having an excellent RBI home run season. They have Alonzo hitting a ton of home runs. They have a young starting catcher who, you know, is on pace to hit 30 home runs and play an excellent defense. They got young kids and Beatty. They got different things going on. Could they use a bat? Sure. They need probably rotation help, and they need two arms in the bullpen. But again, who's available? Pitching is probably easier just by the amount of pitchers teams have, but I don't know. Who's crappy enough at the moment that you know is selling? Not many teams. And if they're crappy enough when they're selling, what pieces do they have? We know what we think. What do you think? Call the fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com. Oh, yeah. I'm also a huge Eminem fan. Grew up loving Eminem. I would would take the new Eminem CD. The new album, let's say the Eminem show when it came out in 2002. And it would not leave my car until I had every word memorized. That's right. I I could probably still do it now on most songs. I would be obsessed with learning the, the lyrics. I don't know why. I'm a weird guy. I'm great with song lyrics. They stick in my head forever. I never lose them. They're always there. And Eminem is tough, obviously. He's fast, you know. But that was the time. Eminem ruled the world. He was huge. We forget. We forget how big Eminem was. 877-337-6666. Or how big Loverboy was in 1989. Someone hit me up on Twitter. Uh, I think someone wanted to call about it. He hung up. But yes, with Patrick Dempsey, the movie was Loverboy. And Kirstie Alley was one of the women who would, who would call in and order pizza with extra anchovies. And then I forgot the aspect of the movie of that all these women are married and the husbands are coming after him. I forgot. One was like a dentist and they, he ties him to the dentist chair and he's like, you know, no Novocaine. That's <laughs> so stupid. Uh, his girlfriend left him. I'm going for a real man. And now older women can't keep their hands off him. And their husbands are coming to get him. Come see Loverboy hitting theaters this November. Amazing. Looks young there. Patrick Dempsey. 877-337-6666. The home run derby, obviously, earlier today. We talked about that uh, earlier today. Last night was just, I, I hated it. I don't know what it was. One, my two least favorite you know baseball players on the planet are in the finals, and a Rosarena and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Just, you know, nothing personal, but they, they're, they're the enemy for, for Yankee fans. I mean, a Rosarena literally just tore them apart and made a name for himself nationally in the 2020 postseason. He was unbelievable. And Vladimir Guerrero openly says he, he his favorite part about being a Blue Jay is getting to beat the Yankees. I guess something with his dad, uh, you know, and negotiating a contract or something. I don't know. But he's bitter. He's angry. I don't know why he's angry. But unlike a Rosarena, he, he never seems to. He, he might do well personally, but his teams don't. The Yankees haven't beat the Blue The Blue Jays haven't beat the Yankees in a big spot in forever. But they're my least, least two favorite guys. I got to see them in the finals of a, a Fugazi contest that I can't even watch the, the home runs. They throw a million pitches so we can see, you know, Julio Rodriguez hit 40 and all go, wow, 40. He swung the bat 150 times. He had 40 home runs. Although he was particularly good. He had a lot of home runs. And then Pete Alonso, I guess, had to have a substitute. I didn't even see this. The guy who, who, who normally pitched for him in his two previous championships – Got hurt or has an, his arms bothered him, so he brought in 
Another guy who apparently was all over the place. I don't think he was going to be 41 anyway, but poor Pete. Poor Pete. He's got to live with this, you know, all the way until next year, knowing that he had an opportunity to win this thing and couldn't get a fastball down the middle. But I, I hated the home run derby. Hated it. I also hate the argument that I'm hearing all the time. And obviously the other story is, you know, Sean Casey is now the new batting coach, new hitting coach for the New York Yankees after they dismissed Dylan Lawson the other day. The next day, boom, they have Casey all lined up, ready to go. Mighty Casey. But, you know, it's funny to me how everything is analytics. You know, it's like everything... I, a caller called up yesterday and started giving me the analytic argument. You know, as, you know, as we're here at the the break here, let's just talk about the the forbidden name in baseball analytics. Like we all hate it. Everything bad in the sport is analytics. I had a you know caller before talking about the nerds in the front office telling Boone what to do. The the nerds of baseball and analytics. I mean, it's just it's become such a a crutch for anyone who has a problem with anything that goes on with baseball just to throw analytics at it, like. Like, successful teams don't have analytics, too. Like, the Yankees' problem is their analytic department. The problem with Boone is he just goes off the analytics. Like, do you not think the Atlanta Braves have an analytic department? Do you not think the Tampa Bay Rays have an analytic department? Hell, they invented it. They were the first ones with the shift, at least this dramatic uh, uh, an amount. They were the first one consistently shifting. They They invented the opener. They, you know, they constantly, I mean, they've developed analytics. They go through these these different guys all the time who have, you know, these different uh, abilities. I mean, they every time someone get, gets good, they move on from them and bring up somebody else. They are the analytic kings, launch angles. All they do is hit home runs. They don't play 1950s. Bay. The, the Tampa Bay Rays aren't winning because they're bunting and playing small ball and moving a runner over. Watch them. They hit home runs. When they were the best team in baseball to start the season and they never lost a game and it looked like they were going to be the 84 Tigers, it was because they were hitting more home runs than everybody else. They, they have launch angle. They're analytics. It's so, it's so easy to just make the analytic argument. Analytics is information. It's all it is. And is there, you know, has it taken over baseball? Of course. But it's just hard for me to blame it as the reason for losing when every team is doing it. Winning, losing, all the teams are doing it. I mean, we 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 praise the hire of Buck Showalter. I know Sal did, at least. You know, Mary Buckmas, because he's a real manager. He's not a data applicator like Aaron Boone. And then you listen to his opening press conference, and he's talking about how, you know, the the difference between here and Baltimore, his last stop, was that they really invest, the Mets really invest in the analytic department. This is baseball. And every time a team goes through a slump or there's a problem, boom, it's the analytics of baseball. I hate these nerds and their pocket protectors and they're making up these statistics and everything's about oh the launch angle and third time through a lineup and don't they see where's the feel for the game? Boone's told what to do. Boone makes his own decisions. He gets a lot of information more now more than ever. And yes, Brian Cashman in the front office. Same thing. I, I don't think that Billy Epler has the same uh, you know same cachet and same amount of power inside the organization that that obviously Brian Cashman has but they all talk about things they all come at like the lineup not maybe on a daily basis but overall the feeling of how they like to put a lineup together is something they all come up with Brian Cashman's involved in it Boone's involved in it and Billy Epler and Buck are involved in it but I just can't stand the idea of every time something comes up Every time there's a there's a problem with a team, it's the analytics and it's, it's the it's the you know the pocket protecting wearing nerds who you know think that they can go to MIT or Harvard and then come be a baseball guy. It's just it's obnoxious. And what happened to real baseball? It's such a cliched argument. It's so it's 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 overblown and overdone. Can a team get wrapped up in too much information? Absolutely. Is that maybe a problem with the with the with Dylan Lawson? That he was speaking too much analytics and too much information and going on too many different things and not breaking it down in more simple terms. And, yeah, of course. Without question, I'm not saying there aren't problems that lead or that are created from or start with the 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 ability of over-information. 
and you know paralysis by analysis, that's a real thing. But it just seems like every time there's a problem, we throw this word analytics around like it's some sort of evil word. It's like Voldemort or something. It's that who we will not be, we will not name. I'm tired of hearing it. We understand baseball's changed. It's not your dad, grandfather's baseball team. I get it. It's not the way it was built. It's not the same thing. I heard a guy on um, with Ricky. I think it was Ralph actually talking about bunting with in extra innings. Like we we understand they don't bunt the leadoff hit when when you're the when you're the road team starting an inning. You don't bunt the run over from third because you're looking for the big inning. Because as the home team, it's easy to score one run. You're trying to score multiple runs. You're not playing and you're not playing the top of the inning for one run. They're not going to bunt. Like we we get so focused on this stuff, and then you turn around and instead of just saying it's the Yankees or whatever team playing the odds of multiple runs because you don't want to play for one run, and, and you turn it into it's the analytics of baseball. Stupid. Analytics has become like the, the crutch word for anyone who's got a problem with anything. Eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. And speaking about that Sean Casey hire, I'm actually, believe it or not, I'm somewhat pleased with it. And I actually think maybe it will make a difference. I know that's crazy because I'm the first one to tell you I don't think it's necessarily Dylan Lawson's complete fault that Rizzo sucks and the machine is broken and DJ LeMayu and Donaldson's come over here and you know decided to become washed up the second he put on a Yankee uniform. I don't think that's overall his fault. But I also think that... The specific hire of this guy screams a couple of things to me. And my initial thought when they were going outside the organization was, well, that seems like a quick... And they wanted to do it by this series coming up against Colorado. I thought that's a quick hire. That's a. It's going to take some time to get to know people, study swings, work on different things. And the idea that it's Sean Casey, who clearly is a ally and a friend and a former roommate, at least that's what Brian Hoke told me, of the manager and Aaron Boone, this has been something in the works for a while. Like, maybe not the idea that he definitely was going to be the hitting coach, but going over this team, breaking down different things. I'm sure Boone and Casey have been talking for a while about this team, and I think I'm, I'm fairly confident that Casey probably has his pulse on the finger of this team and has been watching this team more than just another named hitting coach the Yankees made a call about yesterday when they decided to fire Dylan Lawson. So that's the first thing. The second thing is who he is personally. He's a former major leaguer. He's been a 300 career hitter, or I think he's had multiple seasons of 300 batting average. He's a gap-to-gap ball contact hitter. And while I respect that, and I like the idea of him coming in and changing things because obviously changing a lot of what's going on here and a lot of the strategies that have been implemented is important. They need to come in and change. Otherwise, what's the point? So he's going to come in here and change a little bit of the fundamental thinking that the Yankees have been going on, and I'm I'm glad and surprised that Brian Cashman and this organization are open to the idea that they need to change some certain aspects of how they attack hitting and their approach with this team. But it's more than that for me. It's not just changing the dynamics because that's why we assume it's not that big a deal because how much of the batting swing or stance are you going to change with Stanton or are you going to change with Rizzo? These guys have have had, you know, all-star in in the case of Stanton Hall of Fame caliber seasons. These guys are veteran players who've hit 50 home runs and have won World Series and been the best player on win World Series winning teams. I mean, what are you going to change? And that's why we all think the batting coach isn't that big a deal. So for me to tell you, well, I love it because Casey was a 300 hitter and he's going to come in here and he's going to change everything about what they do. I'm hoping he changes a bunch of different things and, and aspects of this team change. But it's also the idea of no longer doing the same thing, hearing it from the same type of guy and banging your head against the wall and struggling with the idea that we're all failing. Like this whole process is failing. And after a while, you stop caring about what the guy is saying because they're failing. And for him to come in as a veteran guy who's played the game, who's been an all-star, who's been in major league clubhouses as a player, who understands what it's like to go through a slump And maybe the jovial guy he is, you know, nicknamed the mayor, and you've watched him on MLB Network, how kind of outgoing he is, and, you know, 
funny he is. And obviously he'll be good friends with Boone because they've been teammates and, and, and roommates. I think just the idea of bringing in that kind of personality to inject some levity, for lack of a better term, into a team that knows the offense sucks, knows the fan base is pissed off, knows they're underachieving, knows what they're doing without Judge. And instead of just saying this is the same self-fulfilling prophecy over and over again, Dylan Lawson's giving me the same workup, and he's going over the same things in the meetings, and this is just going on and on and on. You bring in a different voice with a completely different feel and someone who knows what it's like to go through this situation. Dylan Lawson didn't play baseball. And just to bring a different vibe, I think that's as important as anything because when you look at hitting coaches, for me, it's about confidence. It's not necessarily about where you put your hands all the time. That's part of it. But especially with a veteran-laden team, it's not necessarily, oh, you want to make sure you throw the barrel. You want to put the knob right at the ball. You want to do this and that because all these guys hit differently. It's it's partially about that. It's partially about how they look to approach and what they their breakdown of, of opposing pitchers and all, all that kind of stuff. You're looking to do things like that, true. But you're also just looking to change the vibe, man. Clear out the air. Have Phil Jackson in that down in there with uh you know, and burn some sage and bring a, a different vibe. And this guy screams different vibe to me. He just screams different vibe, different cat, different character, more of a relaxed atmosphere. Because when you stink for this long, and without Aaron Judge, they have stunk going on a full calendar year. It starts to just build on itself, and it's a rolling ball. And instead of being syphysis, I know I said that wrong. I had it in my head. I had it in my head for a second. I know I said it wrong. The guy who built... Builds the rolling ball back up to the top of the mountain. It keeps falling down. And that's what Dylan Lawson was. They need to change things up. And I like the idea of this new guy, this new hire, and a guy that has this kind of energy, Major League Baseball uh, you know, roots, and someone who can deal with it and knows what they're going through. So I'm actually kind of positive about this hire. Is it going to change who they are fundamentally right away? No. Is it going to suddenly become a good offensive lineup like they were at the start of last year? I don't anticipate that, no. Is he going to rev- revive DJ LeMayu from the dead? I wouldn't expect it. But I also think they just need a vibe change. They also need a roster change. So it's got to come with moves. they got to look at third base. they got to look at left field. But when the when the decision was made to fire the hitting coach, I didn't think much of it. When they said they were going to hire outside of the organization, I thought, hey, that's a good sign. When I heard it was Sean Casey, I was actually optimistic about the hire, which I didn't think I could be. 348, McMonagle here with you, 877-337-6666. So let me know, Yankee fans, are you relatively pleased at the hire? Do you think a hitting coach can make any difference? Do you get my point about the vibe? The whole vibe needs to change around this team. It's the walking dead. It's the walking dead. They need to bring some life, and hopefully he can inject at least that because it's the kind of guy who seems like he could. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. 
Add WFAN to your contacts to talk New York sports with us at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com. Not a play. I just crush a lot. I mean, it could be true. I'm still waiting. I haven't had a chance yet. We're playing the music. I haven't had a chance yet to really give you a good singing performance. I'm waiting for a song that has a little bit of, a little bit of that vibe to it, so I can serenade you guys because you haven't heard it yet. Haven't, the new overnight crew has not heard the pipes of McMonagall yet. It's coming. Eventually, you don't know when. You don't know when, but it's coming. Eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. You can also hit me up on Twitter at at cmacwfan. Like I got uh, uh, before, doesn't understand my point, bro. What the f is C Mac talking about? He's not there to make changes? Question mark. He's there to lighten up the clubhouse. Yes, exactly. He's there to make changes too, but he's there to change the feel. I mean, I think that's a, a real part of it. A part of just the staleness that was, and I think it's a, and I think the other thing about it, it's clearly more than just a Brian Cashman move. Maybe Brian Cashman agreed things need to change, but this is this is a to me this is an Aaron Boone move too. So we could talk about how Aaron Boone's a puppet and has no power. I think he has a lot to do with the hiring that that, that just took place. I think he has a lot to do with Sean Casey being here, teammates with him, working with him. He probably told Cashman, you know, listen, it feels stale. It feels stale. And sometimes when it feels stale, you need to shake up. And you need a complete different kind of thing. And yes, again, yes, the approach. You want the approach to be different too. But it's more than just that, especially with veterans. It's about feeling like the same thing isn't happening over and over and over again. And with Dylan Lawson, it probably just got stale. And it was like, we're not we're not doing... Like, they need someone to lighten the mood and change it. And I do really think the aspect... Of the crowd and the aspect, I mean, you can't even get through a, a a tribute video without mercilessly booing. I mean, and we talked about it was a story going back to Judge getting booed in the playoffs. There is a there's just a feel that the whole vibe is bad. And so maybe if you bring in a guy from the outside who has nothing to do with it, who's a real, you know, presence and a and a character and you know. The kind of guy who breaks up tension inside a, a tough clubhouse. I mean, there was that's what happened in 09, right? CC was brought here to change the vibe in the clubhouse. Yeah, he was also brought here to be the ace. I understand that Casey's not hitting. But, you know, he was brought in to change. They, they sensed a staling in the clubhouse. They wanted to bring in guys to change it. They brought in Nick Swisher to come and change things. I think part of Donaldson, good, bad, or you know, indifferent, which obviously it ended up being bad. I think that was part of it too, to change the clubhouse a little bit. And I think it's more about the message than the messaging. Uh, Excuse me. It's more about the messaging than the message necessarily. It's about changing this vibe because right now it just feels like they suck. They know they suck. Nothing's going to help. They got to just get a guy in there who could laugh it up and go, Rizzo, you're freaking phenomenal, man. You remember how you remember what you you know you're great. Let's get back there. And a guy who's been through slumps before at the major league level, Peter and Lawrence. What's up, Pete? How are you, Chris? Good. How are you? Enjoy your show. Thank you. Well, this reminds me of when they brought in Charlie Lau. In okay. 1979 to 81. Oh, it's just like that. To me, it is. I, I can't. I, I don't really remember it that much. I remember Bob Lemon coming in in '78, or I shouldn't say remember. I know about it. I'm not uh, too well, familiar. I'm not too familiar with what happened in '78 with '79 and '80. So give it to me. But Tell with, me what uh, we're talking about. With Charlie Lau, he worked with great hitters like Hal McRae, Amos Otis, Willie Wilson, and George Brett. Sure, turned them around. At Chicago, he worked with Lazinski, Fisk, Kemp, Baines, and Kittle. He was a number one ally of Pinella on the Yankees, and mm-hmm. really made turned uh, Jackson into doing the power in 1980. But I think it's a good to bring somebody in from the outside who has nothing to do with the Yankees. Yeah, I, I definitely, I, and, and thank you for the call, Pete. I think that that's a real positive. But I also like the Sean Casey angle of him being a character and a different kind of guy. 
Because I do think they need some... I don't want to... Like, levity is the only word I can think of right now. I don't know if that's the right word. But just a little bit of a, a different culture change, man. It feels stale in there. You watch them out. I mean, it looks lifeless at times. And especially with runners in scoring position or a runner on third and less than two outs, it feels tight. It just feels tight. You know what I'm saying? I'm trying to laugh at that. Um... It just feels tight in there. They need something in that clubhouse to break it up. And I think this is the kind of guy who breaks it up. And he also he's someone who's who's gone through it. I think having a a veteran guy who's really close to the manager, who's the kind of guy that he is, the kind of guy who's going to make a bunch of jokes. I just saw him talking about I like uh, he was making this they I don't know why they played it on MLB Network, but he's talking about cat pee. Like I have no idea what he's talking about. But he's literally going on this whole rant on MLB Network about cat pee. And I'm like, what the hell is that? And you know what? Honestly, I think that's what the Yankees need. The Yankees need some crazy, crazy, wacky former veteran who knows how to hit and give them a little bit of uh, help with their, you know, approach. And also just sit there and talk about cat pee. And you're like, what the hell is this guy talking about? He's crazy. They need a little bit of that where it's just take them out of their own heads. Uh, you want you want to solve the Yankees? Talk about Cat Pee. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 